The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to Brett McGonigal. He is chairman and CEO at Capital Link. We're looking at uh, markets, Brett joins us from here in New York. Boy, I'm telling you what uh, the, the shivers that the crypto meltdown sent through a lot of risk assets today. How much do you think has to do with the notion of forced liquidation, which is to say if you need to raise money in some strange way because of a bet that has gone sour that you sell uh, equities. Is that a part of this narrative in any way, Brett? I mean, I, I guess it certainly could be. You know, the old adage is sell what you can and not what you must. But um, thinking about it in, in, in a much broader sense, I'm not so sure that it had that big of an impact on the equity markets today um, as as it relates to um, having to sell assets. But I do think that there's a sentiment, uh, a negative sentiment that, that goes along with it, which is that, you know, once things start to seem to be back to normal, you know, the elections are behind us and we're looking to, 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 to the trends that you normally get in, in the year following a midterm election, all of a sudden you have this new negative headline around. Um, so I think it, it may have been more of a sentiment drive than, than forced liquidation. Um, what is the future of the crypto sector now? We had Jim Chanos telling Bloomberg earlier there's going to be a judicial outcry, his words. Regulation is coming. What do you anticipate? Yeah, so I, I mean, look, I've I've not been a supporter of the movement. I, I've been very critical of it, not because I, I don't want it to succeed, but more because I just don't understand um, the need for it right now. But let's, let's take a, a broader look at it and say that this is the number two exchange in the world next to Binance, and nobody had any idea what was under the hood. So um, I think that there's call for a huge amount of regulation. And I've always thought that the U.S. regulators, especially the SEC, uh, would have to get involved when it starts to impact the retail investor in the United States. And it seems like it's, it's pretty close to home now. So if you so look at I, things like capital requirements, a lot more, you know, a top down pressure to get your house in order. Could we see a lot of consolidation in this industry? I mean, fewer players, larger size? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the logical next step, but I don't really know what that does where they are today. And the reason I say that is that, I mean, these are the two biggest exchanges in the world. And, and uh, you know, I don't know how big, I think Coinbase may be three and then, you know, on to the next ones after that. But I think the next ones after that all combined don't add up to much. So, um, you know, this 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 also could have been, you know, a, a master game of chicken played by CZ, which mm. is 
once you put the blood in the water, you've, you know, the fate is already kind of sealed. And uh, that's the scary part, right? I mean, look, there are rumors that circulate in the equity markets and they do have, they do tend to move stocks. Uh, but very seldom do we see stocks bankrupted overnight. And uh, Brett, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, inflation and the Fed's next move. We do have those inflation numbers coming out in the U.S. Uh, tomorrow, American time. Uh, what do you anticipate? And I know that you think maybe we're going to see some easing next year. Yes, I do. So I think the, I think the number may be um, in the bull camp tomorrow. I think we probably get below 79 I think anything with a seven handle has some sort of sentimental value to the market, but I think um, we've probably reached peak inflation at this point. Um, so I think you'll get, you know, some sense of maybe some some of the the the, the hawkish tone may come down a little bit um, as we look into um, the 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 rate rise, the frenzy of seventy five, or even the you know the ideas of a hundred that were floating around in the summer. You know, those things start to get walked back. I think we get back to more conventional talk about it. Now, doesn't the walking back run the risk of reinflating assets? If, if you buy this idea that part of the tightening of financial conditions includes lower stock prices, doesn't the, the Fed really have to thread the needle here in, in the language? I think they do. Uh, look, I, they've uh, we've been looking for them to thread the needle for years. Um, that <laughs> it, it, has, it hasn't been an accomplishment that they could post, in my opinion, on their on the scoreboard. So I, you know, I wouldn't look for something to be, uh, you know, that exact. What I do think, though, is that um, you know they've used both, you know, the the, the actual mechanism of, of of rate raises and the and the tone of, of their voice and. And speak to be, uh, you know, a very, very hawkish and, and, and you know, very loud tone. I, I don't necessarily think that, uh, you know, markets, you know, re-rate overnight on any on any walk back. Uh, I but I do think it breathes a fresh a fresh breath air and allows people to reassume some sort of a vantage point that, um, you know, gives them a more positive outlook for the next few months. Where are you putting money to work right now? Do you look at U.S. markets, or are you eyeing off uh, offshore opportunities? Yeah. So look, I you know I I I I, I don't enjoy being uh, you know just having a one track mind of you know buying the U.S. and and buying mega cap. But I think at this point in time, if you look around the globe um, and you look at the prospects, I think that you've got to start where. Uh, you know where the rubber meets the road with the the with monetary policy, and that certainly is the Fed right now. I think if you look at some of the mega cap stocks and what's happened to them, you know they've really been washed out. Um, and whether we like it or not, there are a huge impact on the actual indexes that everyone reads on a daily basis, which you know obviously is a driver of sentiment. So I think that you'll see the mega caps move first. Um, they'll have a, an outsized impact, I think, on the on the mind of the investor because they'll move the indexes quicker because they're such a large component. So I think that's where the rally starts here. Um, and you know, I've I've uh, you know, as all the people at Bloomberg know, I've been a long term China bull. Uh, I'm very cautious right now to jump back into that market. I think there's so much, there's too much uncertainty right now. So I think you have to keep the trade in the U.S. right now until you see some other pockets outside of it. Uh, outperforming, then I would take a look at those. But I, I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think that that's going to be the first move. I think the U.S. moves first, uh, 
Um, and then you get spillover. But I'm wondering, I mean, if we can agree that there is still going to be um, less liquidity, that the Fed is going to continue in that mission, doesn't that run the risk of, of maybe creating further downside in some of these big cap, these mega tech names? Uh, you know, I I I think that conventional wisdom would say, you know, lack of, you know, drawing down liquidity and pulling back liquidity would have an effect across the board. My gut says that the effect is more in the growth names. I think that's where the cheap cash was flowing and, you know, helicopter money or whatever you want to call it was chasing those names. I think, you know, the, the no revenue growth story is done for good. Um, so I think that, that that's probably the space that gets hurt if people have to choose between growth or mega cap. And I just think the mega caps are household names. They're they're easy. They're in every end. You know, they're they're very they're very easy to get your hands around and your head around. And I think that mm -hmm. is where the reflation goes. All right, Brett McGonigal, Chairman and CEO at Capital Link. Thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.